Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Need to Nerd Podcast. I am your host, Spencer, and I am joined by my co-host, a man whose love for droids can only be met by his love for YT Cruisers. Dude, you missed it. It's actually my love for Zoids. Your love for Zoids? Would you rather have a Zoid or a Millennium Falcon? Well, uh, the truth is that I would rather have a Millennium Falcon because I actually haven't played any Zoids games, and that's Spencer's cup of tea, actually. Yeah, I, I would also rather have a Millennium Falcon for what it's... I mean, the Zoids cool. I don't know. Now I'm having... Spaceship's great. There's just... Spaceship goes to space. <laughs> like... Also, I mean, Spaceship sometimes doesn't go to space as far as eh, the you know. <laughs> We are going to be talking about going to space this week. Uh, and for a lot of people, it might, it might have been their first time going to space. We're going to be talking about uh, Star Wars The Original Trilogy. We, uh, you know, we kind of mixed up these episodes, right? We could have done this instead of Dr. Stone last week, you know, for May the 4th. But I actually took May the 4th off from podcasting. Uh, kind of enjoyed my day instead. So today, West and I will be, you know, using the month of May to celebrate. You know, just hold Star Wars month. Let's go. But yeah, before we, don't we need a reason. Before we get too we'll far into this one. celebrate Star Wars. Exactly. Exactly. West, uh, I changed the segment name for you. I don't know if you noticed that in our show notes. Uh. See, when you bully somebody enough, eventually you get what you want. So this week's Nerd Fact of the Week, West. The Nerd Fact of the Week, West. It's this week's Nerd Fact. You know, the oh, one you get this week. Oh, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> the listeners. Brand new listeners are probably like, what is going on? Uh, but yeah, we're changing the, the name of the segment to the week so that West stops making the same joke every week. Uh, and put Spencer's anxiety on an IV drip, everyone. Yeah. They made it real easy. Exactly. Exactly. But, uh, yeah, did you know that the TIE Fighter engine sound... I actually did not know this before doing this, like, setting down to do this episode. The TIE Fighter engine sound actually combines... is from an elephant. It combines the sound of an elephant bellowing and a car driving on wet pavement. And then they altered that sound. I'm not going to lie. I would not have expected that. But the TIE Fighter sound is iconic. It's so good. It's it's higher pitch than that. It's screamier than that. It's uh. But hey. it adds up if you think about it. We're going to talk a lot this week about old uh, sound design, old costume design, old effects design. Because I think it's so important to our material today. But yes. Before you could just, like, mix anything, you had to go and actually make the sound. It was great. Well, it's it's funny. You know the, the famous lion roar at the beginning of, uh, is it MGM? What is the name of the company that had that lion? I couldn't care less. Either what way, it wasn't a lion. There's actually a tiger roaring that they put the sound of the tiger roaring over the lion because tiger roars sound ferocious and lion yeah. roars are like, so that like they kind of sound more like Wookies. So, yeah. Tiger roars are definitely the better roars. There's no doubt about it. Oh, definitely, definitely they are. You know what is even better than tiger roars though is our Discord man. You got to check it out. 
you know, drop in there, go into general, put a recording of your Tiger Roar. I want to hear it. Uh, and, you know, while you're there, you know, if you if you like what's going on in there, I, I did try to be a little bit more active this week. Uh, still kind of waving my way back in there, West, but uh, unfortunately my wife needed me so we couldn't play Valheim, but we were going to get a Valheim game going the other night. Um, I plan on doing some Smash games in the Discord here in the near future. Uh, you know, it, we've always got the Magic the Gathering stuff going on in there, stuff like that. Uh, I'm excited to talk about our Star Wars tabletop RPG that we're going to be starting up this month and kind of just talking about my first RPG experience. I'm going to record videos about it, post them in the Discord, just ask people's opinions on, like, you know, what what do you do in an RPG to make sure that you're not... I think I, think I have this problem, Wes. You might agree with this, that I have this problem of uh, leading and directing in a lot of ways that I don't want to have like overtake the the narrative of this game oh you're gonna have a wildly difficult time uh discovering your character instead of living your character as you expected them to be for uh for nine months now for i don't know 30 years now not quite sure how far back this goes but sure uh, um yeah it's you know it's a whole skill that you got to build it's definitely something that doesn't come at first and it's actually both entirely intuitive and really hard. It's one of those weird things. So if you want to discuss tabletop RPGs, Magic the Gathering, anime, man, we get that anime channel is probably still the most active channel. This, for some reason, everybody's always talking in there. Uh, yeah, check out the Discord. There are days where it's popper. Yeah, some days are some but days. It's MTG popper. MTG popper, yeah. Uh, which they're supposed to be just scheduling a tournament for that. I'll have to look into that. Uh, Patreon.com slash Media is the place you can go to support the show directly. And, uh, you know, there was a, there's a Magic the Gathering content creator. His name is The Professor. He wants to do this video. He said, can I have a dollar? And his his $1 tier on his Patreon was, you know, guilt-free ad block. And I thought that was really funny. And the reason that it's really funny is because if you donated $1, if you watched every piece of content we ever put out forever... And you watched through every single ad we ever put out. I still don't know that you could make up the one dollar, the one dollar that uh, you know donating on Patreon would would help with. That's how powerful that one dollar is compared to anything that sponsors would give us, anything that uh, you know uh, YouTube ads would give us, anything that ads on Anchor would give us, stuff like that. That just that type of stuff is really helpful. And we also want feedback. Like, if you are in the Discord and you want to give us feedback on, like, here's some things I would love to see out of the patron, some patron benefits I'd love from this stuff, drop it into the Discord. Let us know. Like, we are very open to that kind of stuff. So, But, Wes, this isn't about our patron. This is a new type of re- review. Because we said earlier on the show that we weren't always just going to be doing, like, individual movies or season by season. That sometimes we'd shake things up on the type of way we would review things. And that we're going to do that with this time because we're going to talk about Star Wars, the original trilogy as a whole. We're not talking about A New Hope. We're not talking about Empire Strikes Back individually. We're not talking about Return of the Jedi individually. We're, we're actually taking the entire trilogy and breaking down our thoughts on the trilogy as a whole. And the reason, Wes, that I wanted to do it this way was because I think that they're each their own stories to be told. I think that all three trilogies have a story to tell uh some do it better than others and i wanted to break down 
you know, my favorite trilogies, you know, it's like the Lord of the Rings trilogy, right? Like, I don't know that we, if we ever did Lord of the Rings, we would like do those individually. I would just do the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy. I, I'm not even sure I have more to review on the on the Lord of the Rings trilogy than spending an hour on the single scene where Legolas flips up onto a horse. <laughs> I, I can just go deep on that one. I don't have to talk about anything else in the entire series. But but I want I want to you know as we cover this and then eventually we'll cover you know the the prequels and then the sequels. I I just want listeners as you're listening to think about these as a whole. And I want to hype it up really quick. West. Your small child. For you, I don't know how old you were, but but for me, I, I'm you at my. You literally don't have to explain this experience to me. I was there. <laughs> uh, you know, you're you're at your uncle's. You're at you're going to the movies. You're you know you're in this space where there's this excitement, and for a lot of people, uh, you know, mine and West age, there's excitement from the people around you, and you're not exactly sure why there's so much excitement. But it, it, it breathes into the air. And that's what the Star Wars experience has become for a lot of people. Is you find out that your friend has never seen Star Wars. And you're like, oh my gosh, I would love to watch you experience that. I would love to be a part of that for you. And there's a reason for that. And it's because for so many people, it's a great experience. Uh, it's a very different take on the fantasy genre. And if you're a listener right now and you haven't watched it, pause this, let us know, because I want uh, to talk to you. And I, I, I do. I want to talk to you. If you haven't watched Star Wars before, come to the principal's office and we'll watch no, it No, together. no, no, no. Not, not, no, I don't want to talk to you like, I'm not that kind of Star Wars fan. Like, there's people that just, you know, it's never interested them. But if you've just been putting it off and it's something you want to see, I want to talk to you before you do. I would love to... To, to make it worth your time to watch Star Wars. So, but I, I think that for so many people, it is kind of a pillar of their nerddom. You know, we do our, we did our nerd, need to nerd Dragon Ball, right? We did our need to nerd video games. And we could definitely, I think, at least for me, I don't know for you, Wes, but I could definitely do our need to nerd Star Wars. It wouldn't, and I think a lot of people could. You have basically every episode <laughs> of this show, the entire time we've been <laughs> recording this show. Then my need to nerd Star Wars. Yes. So that's my hype it up. It, it's just def- like. Go ahead. I was just gonna say that uh, n- that need to nerd is your need to nerd Star Wars and my need to nerd Pokemon, <laughs> and uh, everything else is just in context based on our knowledge of those things. Sure. I I, I don't I, I put this in the show notes. I don't know if we need to be spoiler free for media this old. Like if you haven't seen the Star Wars trilogy, could you imagine? You like you should, and you and you somehow haven't had it spoiled for you. Maybe this. Hey, the... guess what, listener who hasn't watched Star Wars before? We're gonna talk spoilers, what? and you shouldn't just. <laughs> Santa Claus isn't real. What? I didn't know that. And the exposition at the beginning of every movie is a lie. What is happening? Don't trust right. what you read, folks. So let's talk about our first times watching this film. This will have spoilers. You have been warned. I don't know why you need the warning at this point, but I want to talk about the first time we watched these movies. For Same me, Dumbledore. 
Why? Why are you doing that? Uh, I because spoilers. I don't know. I'm I'm on one. I watched them for the first time with my cousin Caleb. Uh, I I had to have been like six years old, and I don't I don't know. We'll get into this later in the episode, but I don't know what the time frame was between when I watched A New Hope and Empire. But I definitely watched them bef- like sometime before I watched Return. And I know that especially because I remember thinking Luke and Leia were going to get married. And I told my parents that. Um, How did your parents handle not spoiling that for you? I don't, I don't think they spoiled it. I, I don't think they did. Uh, but also, like, my Uncle Ron was a much bigger Star Wars fan. He's my mom's twin and Caleb's dad than, like, my family was. Uh, so for me, I, you know, I went to my cousin's house, you know, we, he put on Star Wars for both of us. We both watched it together for the first time and I was, I was completely captivated. Uh, I had to have only been, I had to be in kindergarten, maybe, yeah, kindergarten. And I, I remember just thinking it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. And that's impressive because like. You know, I watched movies like Silverado in the first night as a small child. I was talking to my mom about this the other day, but she let me watch some movies as a young kid. Things I would never let Maxwell watch. Yeah, Silverado is an interesting one because I think that uh, it's... Uh... Well, she, that, this is actually how it came up. She was like, she's like, I can't believe it let you watch Silverado as a kid. I watched, I put that on for the for the grandkids and that 13 people die in the first like 10 minutes. Yeah, it's one of those ones that, like, basically it's just violence. Um, yeah. And the most of the rest of it can go over a kid's head. But, man, there is a lot of shooting in that movie. Yeah. So, yeah, I, uh, the... That... I I had I was used to the violence before I saw this movie. So I think that the story is what captivated me. But, like, being on the Death Star, the Stormtroopers were super scary, stuff like that. But I vividly remember that that first time watching A New Hope uh, at my uncle's house. I actually remember the room. They don't have the house anymore. But I remember the room. I remember the couch. I remember the whole thing. Yeah. That's like in many ways similar to my experience. But I don't know. Mine, mine had just enough difference. Um, the first being that uh, actually I have a uh, a current colleague ex uh person who was my teacher and uh like after school counselor tells me this story all the time about when i went to see the first harry potter movie as like a six-year-old and you know during the movie like halfway through the movie i like lean over and whisper and be like who's harry like halfway through the movie i did not track film very well when i was a small child i just had no idea what was going on um and by and large, that was the case when coming to Star Wars as well, because I had seen Attack of the Clones and only Attack of the Clones at like a friend's birthday party at Hollywood Connection, just the oldest of polls, right when they'd come out. That friend was a huge Star Wars nerd. Um, even then, like we were turning seven. That's how um, young I am in the world. Uh, so I'll the lower we get in numbers, the more our difference in age stands out. Um, but so I walked away from 
like that experience with like I thought I knew what Star Wars was, right? Like I had that much going for me. And so when my dad sat me down to watch a new hope, my first question is like, is Anakin the new hope? Which is extremely awkward if you know the whole story. Well, um, it, it, it's actually funny. I don't actually know that it was called A New Hope the first time that I watched it, for what it's worth. It's Star Wars. Because I he just had the original Star Wars on on yeah. cassette. So I watched it. Did you mean VHS, right? VHS, sorry. Um, and so I audio watched it. Star Wars. Yeah, audio. Ooh, yeah, let's go. That's the best kind of Star Wars. I actually think it'd be really good. It's probably not a bad radio play. It's it's really box. not. But but the thing is is like I don't it, I don't rem- it was definitely not called uh, episode four the first time I watched it like it was Star Wars Emperor Strikes Back Return of the Jedi um, but anyway I, I digress I didn't mean to interrupt you there but you know of course similar experience after that point right I went with a head full of no idea what was going on and by the end of it I was just like oh my god um, and this was still like. This wasn't my first watch, but I remember going back and like specifically timing, like, you know, using the timer on the VHS, how long the attack on the on Yavin 4 took, right? Like five minutes till we destroy the planet <laughs> or whatever. And then it's like a half an hour of film, right? Like, you know, this is before I knew that it before I learned that it's never that long in the movie. It's either much less or much longer. It's never exactly the time they say it is. Um, but man, I was hooked. I was, you know, like trying to get drain every detail I possibly could out of it. Um, and I think it took me a long time before I saw the rest of the trilogy. I think that like um, my dad's always been a huge fan of empire. So I don't think he took very long to show me that, but I think it was like a while until we had our hands on uh, a copy of empire strikes or uh, return of the Jedi for me to watch. I think for what it's worth that when, when I was watching the original trilogy, cause I, I'd like to loop back onto this part of the conversation I, it is entirely possible that I watched those two in the same sleepover weekend with my cousin, and then the next sleepover weekend we watched Return. Mm-hmm. Because I remember being jealous of my brother the next year. I mean, because I remember being jealous of my brother for getting to go to Return of the Jedi re-release in theaters. They did the special editions, and then they were in theaters, and I didn't get to go. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I just remember being really jealous of my older brother for getting to go, which means that I had to have watched all of them by then. Yeah. Or maybe I hadn't seen it and they showed it to me at that time. I'm not sure. Either way, I either hadn't seen it or I saw it because he went. Yeah. Uh, Which would have, you know, aging myself here would have put me around uh, eight years old when I saw Mm. Return. We'll we'll talk more about this at a later time, but uh, the the Star Wars movie that was the hardest for me to get my hands on to watch as a kid for some reason was Phantom Menace. It was a long time after I'd seen all of the other Star Wars movies that were out before I watched Phantom Menace. Like, uh, that's um, so crazy. Straight up, uh, um, like I'm pretty sure Revenge of the Sith was out well before I oh my watched gosh. Phantom Menace. That's that's a fun one to that'll be fun to talk about on that episode. Uh, okay, Let, let's talk about high-level impressions. I'm going to go first. Sure. I think the, 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 the biggest things that it take from the original trilogy for me, and just like high-level impressions, are one, you know, you, you have this hero's journey of 
Luke both... I mean, there's so much that happens in this. It's crazy to think how much happens in these three films and how well-paced they are. I think that is, like, a huge benefit to the original trilogy is they are paced really, really, really well. There is a caveat to that, is, like, you know, they have the, the stuff that happens on the Death Star and then they immediately go attack the Death Star and it's, like, kind of this shock when you watch it. You're like, what just happened? But, like, it makes sense, right? They... I assume they put the Death Star into hyperspace to travel to Yavin 4 to destroy Yavin 4 after they destroyed Alderaan. I'm not sure. Well, they were tracking. Right. I, so I know that. I'm just saying, like, it just all... It just escalates so quickly. Yeah. It's the only one where I'm like, the pacing on this is a little awkward right at this moment. Empire Strikes Back is just the chef's kiss of pacing, right? We get like a little bit of buildup. We get a huge opening, uh, like encounter, right. With the, with the battle on Hoth. And then it's just like all for the rest of the movie is like a slow pace straight towards the dramatic finale. Yeah. And, and pacing is a huge one. The score, the music, we all know John Williams is, I mean, it, this is music that I just straight up can just listen to. Like, as a small child, I had the Star Wars CDs, and they were like some of the first CDs I owned. Just listening to the score, I was a child. Yeah. Like there were no words to this music. I didn't even care. I just loved it. Yeah, it was the only soundtrack, uh, only orchestral soundtrack you were ever going oh. to listen to as a child. And even today, when I put it on on my phone and I listen, and my wife is like, "What are you doing?" I was like, "This is what happens at this moment in the movie." At the, like at this part of the song, like that's how many times I've seen these movies. Radio play. It is. It is uh, so amazing. And then uh, the other thing outside of like Luke's journey and the the score and the the pacing, I, I think for me is. I this is not in the show notes, but I've actually changed my thoughts on this. This this story is really a story of forgiveness. I I think that. You have, a, in a lot of different ways, you have Vader forgiving himself and and doing what's right, even though it's, what's the point at this point, right? Like, what 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 does he gain by doing that? You have Luke forgiving Vader. You have Leia forgiving, I mean, I don't know that Leia forgives Vader, but you have, you, I mean, you have her forgiving Han, you have her forgiving, I don't know. I, I think she does forgive Vader, like, in her heart and is like trying to, to do that you have i think in a lot of ways you have obi-wan forgiving like forgiving vader you have yoda forgiving obi-wan like there's a lot of it i don't know that i realize that until just this moment but like there's a lot of people that need to be like i done wrong like they need to you have yoda needs to forgive himself obi-wan needs to forgive himself Obi-Wan needs to forgive Anakin and, like, in order to forgive himself. There's a lot of that in this in this trilogy that, if you don't have the full context, doesn't make sense. But actually, retroactively looking back on it, it's like, these people are traumatized. Isn't it, isn't it fascinating, though, that, like, one of the things that's so beautiful about these films is that within it, right, and, you know, sure, George Lucas was around to, like, give context on all these things and build them out, right? Like, but, like... There are just so many things that have like real content has been made out of over the years 
that like the seed of that idea is just a random piece of dialogue said by, said by some extremely boring official on a Death Star in A New Hope. It's amazing how like how much uh, whether or not the backstory is fleshed out at the time it is like how much uh, bones of a backstory exists to this overall story because it's so it's presented as this whole thing, but there's this huge before context. There's a lot of things happening around all of it that we've since learned about or happened between different movies that we've gotten to see as the stories. But like so much of it gets talked about at a different time during this trilogy. And then content creators, including George Lucas, right, have just gone back and said, okay, let's take this throwaway line and let's try and build an entire television show out of it. I, and I I think that, you know, you, you talk about just that first film, right? Like, The Clone Wars uh, is something Boston that... Spies. Like, you know, there's oh, so man. many. Yeah, it's Both and Spies. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot of... Wait, no, that's not that's not that movie. You're right, not the Bothan Spies, sorry, just the, the spies in general. You just got me so good, I was like, wait a second, there's not a movie about Bothan Spies. No, 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 not the Bothan Spies, the, the other spies, yeah. the Rogue One. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's okay, there's a lot of Death Stars in Star Wars, it can get confusing. <laughs> but but I think my point is, is that what I had originally written down is for, for this was kind of a joke that I was going to make about this being a family affair. And while that's true, right, like, you have a lot of... You have a lot of things going on with that have family ties, but at the root of it, it is it is a story of, of forgiveness, and maybe something that I think that I could learn from that I didn't realize until just recording this podcast. Um, and then the last thing I want to say is just lightsabers. I I want to know how many dollars and human consciousness has been spent on trying to actually create a lightsaber because of George Lucas. Is there anything cooler? It's just the coolest thing. Like, how is how I, I, I just don't understand how he created something so cool. It it's so funny too because I'm sure that it's not the first laser sword. There's no way, right? So Dune has like knives that are in that sort of area. I honestly think he might have taken it to a next level. And that movie, I actually don't know. I don't know my sci-fi fantasy well enough to know if this is literally the first laser sword. But dang, did he do it well. Definitely the first one that we all saw. The de- yeah, it's definitely the first one I saw. And it's cooler seen than it is thought about so or written about. So it It's the sound. Matter. It's the... It's yeah, yeah. so cool. Okay, so- my god, what an incredible sound design in general, right? Like, not just the scoring, but, like, the design of the individual sounds, right? We talked about the TIE Fighter sound. That's my favorite sound in the Star Wars universe, is that, like, it's, like, when I, you know, whenever a new Star Wars things comes out, and people are like, oh, are you going to enjoy it? What are you going to think about it? Like, what are your expectations? I'm like, man, if it just has a TIE Fighter zooming across the screen, I'm going to be happy. That's all I need. Yeah, I, I agree the TIE Fighter's cool. Uh, I don't know how this is going to sound in editing, but I had to grab it just to like. Uh, 
that. That one right there. That one's cool. But the end. That oh, man. I just started thinking about the first scene where the lightsaber is used. And I don't want to talk about that scene. What happened is my brain immediately jumped to Bushes of Love. I don't know what that is. Oh, this is uh, this is the bad bad lip reading uh, songs, and it's like uh, a song off of uh, like lip reading of things that Obi Wan says in the movie. Oh, and it's, uh, I actually think I have seen this. I mean, and it's yeah. it's actually like a legitimately good song. Is the scary part, but it's such a meme. Uh, however, um, yeah. I agree that like the sounds of Star Wars, both the music and the individual things are like so iconic, you know, they're totally like the, you know, like they are the stuff of like, you know, kids staring off into space and they just start making noise in the middle of class and everyone else is quiet. Like they are, I mean, that was me, but I don't think it was just me. That's the good part is like, I can take a lot of solace in knowing that I'm not the only person who uh would just you know occasionally just start humming uh darth vader's tune during the middle of class or whatever so what about you outside of the sound like what's your other high level thoughts on on star wars oh man uh i don't think i realized this at first but so much of the world building in a new hope is talking about the politics of the galaxy and of the empire which i think is really interesting um, because so many names are said and not given context to, and so much is just going on with that, that like there is stuff there. Um, and like, but it doesn't make sense at first, but it's like sent there to be like, oh, this is much bigger than what we've seen so far, right? It, like, there's a whole galaxy it, of stuff here. It almost feels like you have to understand the collapse of the Roman Empire to understand. Like, we were kids, right? We had no idea what it meant that the Republic had been wiped. Like, there was no more Republic. It was just an empire now. We're about to do away. Senate, yeah, like what? I don't know what a Senate is. Like I don't care. Show me, show me laser beams. Uh huh. Well, like those are scenes that like I go back to and watching A New Hope, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, that's part of it. Uh, I really like how when I think of like what a story should have, like what a Star Wars movie has. I think Empire is just like the script of it, right? Like we need to have a you know, we need to have a real lightsaber fight. We need to have exploring alien terrain. We need to have spaceship drama. Um, we need to have uh, a planet that is only one material yeah, type. Only one biome. Yeah, only one biome per planet because we can't have complexity here. Because, um, you know, it's actually hard to do settings in space opera if you don't do that. Um, it's, it's actually crazy that Naboo has more than one setting. Um, it's the first planet ever. Are you hearing it, dog? No, it's not the dog. I mean, I did hear the dog. Good puppy. But uh, do we know if Bespin is just gas? Ooh, I don't think we know it, but we haven't. I, you would think that's something I would know, but I don't know. I'm sh I don't know. We have no proof that it's anything else. Now, I, I wanna... think it's like a gas giant for mining, right? Yeah, I mean, they are mining gas on it, so that makes sense. Um... But it's, yeah, I, I like. There's a lot of worlds, like right, like uh, it, um, Empire Strikes Back is the classic expand the setting uh, movie. You know, it's so funny too. Uh, we we should talk about this now because we might not get back into it, and it is something I wanted to cover on the show. Uh, is actually, let's actually go into our next segment because I think it will cover what I want to talk about. And 
what I'd like us both to do is just say what our favorite in the trilogy is, and then I'll, I'll dive into something that I, I believe about Star Wars. So what is, what is your favorite in this trilogy? I don't believe I've been uh, even a little bit opaque on it so far. It's Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, and mine is actually Return of the Jedi. And it, it's funny, too, because I don't remember if it was my wife or my brother. Maybe it was you. Somebody the other day, when they heard that... I, I think it might have been you. Uh, but when they heard that Return was my favorite Star Wars movie, but I thought that Rogue One was the best Star Wars movie... They were really impressed. They're like, a lot of people can't separate things they love from from objective, right? And, you know, Return will just always be my favorite. I, I don't even... I don't even know that I have a question about that. And I think for a lot of people, Empire's their favorite is because it's so objectively good. Like, it is... And for me, I like the ending of stories i like i like that i also like ewoks i think it has the best lightsaber battle of the originals but i also like that finality and that that feeling of finishing it where a lot of people really like bridges like they really like the bridge stories they really like the character building that happens there the question marks which is funny because like eldest is my favorite Aragon book by like a substantial margin. It's just my favorite book of all time. Um, there's a there's a fantastic comparison to the end of Eldest and the beginning of uh, Rasinger with the end of uh, um, Empire Strikes Back. Oh, I mean, it, it's the beginning of Return of the Jedi. I right? say this now, all the time. We know this. Yes, yes. The I Aragon say this movies all... are just Star Wars. Yeah, the Aragon books are just the best written Star Wars novels. That's just factual, but. But I do think that there's something to be said about if you like bridges, if you like bridge stories, Empire's just likely in your top like 15 favorite movies hands down easily. And I think that's true for a lot of people. I think that that, you know, I said character building is really important. I said, you know, the the, the setting, the setup and the 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 problems that have to be presented for you to overcome during those those trials. I, I think it all equates to just a lot of people's favorite movies. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the like the job that Empire Strikes Back has to do is it has to take us from this absolute victory and create, uh, or like you know, this incredible victory, right, and create all of the uh, um, all of the backdrop for conflict again. It has to then portray that that time has passed so that we can get back there and things are still going on and we're used to this life and this is our life now. Yeah, it's it it does it so well wild. too. Like if you think about Hoth, right, just the attack on Hoth. And the absolute just, like, you got these little snow speeders trying to take down. It, it sets up that same kind of feeling that the Death Star, like, how are we going to destroy the Death Star with these little X-Wings? And it does the same thing with the snow speeders, like, and they, you know, they take down some some AT-ATs. I will never call them AT-ATs. Don't at me. I'm not doing it. Um, right at a. <laughs> call it that, everyone. But, but the thing is, it is it? You have this just what feels like an almost obliteration, right? Like they, they the the rebels lose to start that movie. Sort of, yes, I agree. I think that they, they escape, so, which is their goal, but that's because they yeah, can't yeah, win. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's that's always the rebels' goal, right? Like, there's always another Death Star. The rebels are always just trying to survive another day. Yeah. Um. Totally. And there's so much discussion again. Like 
the first 20 minutes of both of those movies, of both A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back, sets up a lot of backstory, sets up a lot of um, just ideas around what's going to happen next, tells you a lot about where the characters are at in their relationship, right? Han Solo and Leia fighting all the way through the tunnels as they're escaping. Granted, this is probably 40 minutes into the movie at this point, not 20 minutes, but it feels like it's the opening. Yeah. Um, like, adds so much to the context of the movie, right? Like, they're having this fight, and then Chewie's, like, working on it and unhappy. Like, there's so much going on there. Um, and then there's just this, like, chase over, like, an asteroid field, and all of that has such a cool sort of experience to it. Um, and it's a really good example of when, like, the technology that you're expecting to work um, has a big play in how the story unfolds from there. It's always really cool. And I think for me, with Return, I think that there's so much. I love seeing the payoff, right? We, I love, I love Empire Strikes Back, but there's a lot of payoff in Return. Yeah. I mean, you you know that Luke lost his lightsaber, so just that first flick of Luke's like Luke Luke's lightsaber, and then also just being a new color for me was like. Oh man, so cool! New color just dropped. Everyone, yeah, let's go. It's the third lightsaber color in the whole series. It's uh, well, it depends on when you saw the first one. Because there well, was no color to the lightsabers originally. True. That said, it would still be the third color introduced to the series. Sure, that's fair. It's not just absence of color. Yes. Uh, or that's not true. I guess the awkward part for me, of course, having watched Attack of the Clones first, is there was an infinite color number of lightsaber colors available to me right out of the bat. Old Mace Windu's purple, the only one we hadn't seen I, yet. I don't was, know that uh, we gray Jedi ones. I yeah, I was gonna say I don't know that we saw yellow or orange actually in. I know that I know that in like the novelizations of Attack of the Clones, one of the Jedi's on Geonosis actually has an orange lightsaber. Hmm. But I don't know if it's actually Spencer. in the scene. Sorry, I'm just... How come we've never seen a television show of the years between A New Hope and uh, Return of the Jedi? I mean, Empire Strikes Back. Like, I feel like there could be a great... In like that five-year yeah, scene, just... there could be a great TV show. So there actually is a book. It's called Heir to the Jedi. Um, that follows... Pre-canon? No, this is, this is a new book. Um, oh. I actually own it digitally. I haven't finished it yet. But there actually is a book uh, that is canon of Luke between that those times. So, fun fact. Cool. But yeah, for, for me, Return did so much. You know, the payoffs, the, the, the Jabba's Palace was just, uh, it was so cool. Great tension to that whole everything. Oh. And there's a lot of starting where we began, right? The... The two droids on their own on Tatooine is a fantastic uh, yes, callback to where we started. Just really good homage. The the return does so many things right. Um, I I I get it. I get that it's a little cheesier, a little more fun than some of the other Star Wars films. But like, I was a kid when I watched Star Wars. Star Wars is for children. There's a great XKCD joke about how much people like Return of the Jedi, and it's relative to the age they first watched it, being that were they young enough that Ewoks were fun by their standards, or were they old enough that Ewoks were stupid by their standards? I think that was stolen from How I Met Your Mother, but I'm not sure. I 
I find it very hard to believe that How I Met Your Mother was uh, was creating jokes instead of XKCD because How I Met Your Mother was also excellent at stealing jokes. Sure, that's fair. That's fair. I'm talking crap on my favorite, one of my favorite comedies. Um, let's go on. We, we talked about our favorite film. I talked about my belief that like it depends on if you like bridge films or if you like... And you also covered the last part, which is age. I, I was I was a youngin when I saw this. Let's talk about favorite characters. I'm gonna go first. As a child, I wanted to be Luke Skywalker. It's all I wanted in the world. I thought Luke Skywalker was the coolest thing to ever exist. But as an adult, I can't stand Luke Skywalker in the first two films. Uh, and as such, I think that as an adult, my favorite characters are Leia and Darth Vader. Um, specifically Leia and Anakin for what it's worth. I think that, it, I mean, no, I think it's both, but Leia is such an interesting character. I, I, I was on, on my Facebook, uh, memories a couple days ago. I, there was, there are people that really felt like Star Wars was trying to force feed them strong female characters. Like, the, you know, in this galaxy, we haven't had this before, and blah, blah, blah. It was like, you didn't, wa- obviously didn't watch Star Wars. Like, within 37 seconds of Leia getting captured, she takes the lead, blows up the door, and throws them down a garbage vent. Well, I was going to say, absolutely none of Leia's scenes in A New Hope is she anything less than, like, demanding to see the manager. Like... She is absolutely fed up from like. I don't the first... think she's demanding to see the manager. I think well, she's. No, no, no. She's just like, like, you can't do this. I will do. I, I have accomplished my goal. Do whatever you want with me, right? Is a huge part of it. Um, I've gotten the data out. I, um, will not go down. Uh, I, I you know, I, I will stand up for this. And once rescued, God, what an incompetent rescue! Like, it's so interesting. I, I just, uh, I, I saw a TikTok the other day that was talking about her specifically. And it said that Luke is Padme's child. Like, Luke has a lot of Padme in him, mm-hmm. where he is kind, reserved. And he the, the parts that he got from Anakin are the annoying parts, right? Like, the whininess, the... The growing up, the, growing up on Tatooine part. Yeah, the, maybe, maybe that's just maybe you just are naturally whiny when you grow up on Tatooine. You would be too. But what what Leia got from 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 Anakin was like the drive and the anger. The nobody and asked the, me. It, yeah, exactly. And I solved the problems while no one was looking. Yeah, at she has all of the best parts of Anakin. Yeah. And, the, in fact, it's actually wild how often Anakin is and Leia are both like in any given scene, like ignoring the front of the scene, oh, exactly, and just like solving a problem in the background. Yeah, it's they're just actually incredible. Yeah, I I think that she is like straight up. It's no wonder her kids are the one that turns. No, I'm just. <laughs> and they have immediate chemi- chemistry on screen together. It's in... true. They actually have more scenes together, they... I think. In that movie, then Luke has with uh, his father in uh, Return of the Jedi. No, because he's it's got. Close. I don't know. Either way, I, I, Leia reminds me, and this could be like biased because I've seen the whole thing right now. I've seen all nine films, but Leia is Leia is Anakin. Like she is, and it's so funny too because, you know, at the end of Return, we get that 
And even if he fails, there's another one. And also, like, I think that... I, I don't know. Leia was just just a awesome character. Uh, I love I love her wit. I love her. She she's just great. And the other one is Vader. And Vader is so good in these films for a few reasons. And it's so funny too because to to watch the original Vader voice in A New Hope and then to like realize what was brought by bringing James Earl Jones in. It changes the whole character. It really does. And, you know, I, I love, I love Darth Vader. He is, my, my kid, for what it's worth, has seen up until the point, uh, he's seen all of the, all of A New Hope. My, my four-year-old has seen all of A New Hope, and he is not allowed to watch past uh, you know, a certain point in Empire Strikes Back, you can all guess when. He has not seen it. He doesn't know. He has he has no idea. And we're going and that's so that I can save that that moment for him. But he is just captivated by Darth Vader. He to him, Darth Vader is the scariest thing. Oh yeah. Like and for me as a kid, I was I mean, just the first time he walks in and just you know, throwing people around with force chokes and yeah. It's a shame that the all-time best Darth Vader is scary scene isn't until 30 years later, 35 years later. Oh, uh, but man, but what the ultimate payoff if you're like a Star Wars oh, fan. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's so good, all the same. Uh, actually, I actually have a theory that you're supposed to watch Rogue One first. The oh, very first Star Wars movie you should... It is, there is not a scene that should happen between the end of Rogue One and the start of uh, A New Hope. It should just be called Rogue Two. <laughs> I, I I actually believe that the Rogue One. You should if you've never watched Star Wars, watch Rogue One first. I think you were the one that said that uh, that you agreed with me there. That it has kind of like all the tropes and stuff. I I mean I I just don't even think that like it's really negotiable. It's like actually it's such like when I've watched Rogue One for the first time, all I wanted to do was, was watch, a new, watch a new Hope. You yeah, were yeah. like, let's go, let's watch all of Star Wars now. It's amazing though, Darth <laughs> Vader really drops off as a character in those twenty minutes. That's <laughs> <laughs> funny. But yeah, I, I think that Vader's redemption, even as a kid, it was something that like kind of hit me. I just, it was, I, I I actually remember the first time that I saw him take off Vader's mask and I was so sad, you know, and, and Vader, him, the respect that he showed to Vader, it always hit home for me that it was, it was Luke forgiving him and respecting him and and luke throwing away his life so the whole story the whole thing with vader you you just i don't know if it's the music it's so amazing how much you can do with a guy that has a mask on for what it's worth i think it's actually how much better it is because he has the mask it's... on i like think about how obviously we're talking about the original trilogy but think about how wildly cool Kylo Ren is until he takes out off his mask in Force Awakens. I don't know. Like I, I don't think that Kylo Ren is bad after that point, but I do think a lot of the scary value of Kylo Ren goes down after I see Adam Driver's face. Maybe I, I, I don't. It's not the scariness that I was talking about, though, right? It's the, the pain he is feeling, watching the Empire. Or the Emperor shock Luke. It is. It's. It's sad. It, it is. 
you really and I think that it ha- Luke does a good job. This is also why Luke is my favorite in in Return. By the way, is his conversation, his dialogue with Vader makes the most sense. I don't know. Anyway, that that being said, those are my favorite characters. Um, I also almost said one of yours, so I want you to. So, I chose both R2 and C3PO, not because I think that I love C3PO in a vacuum, but because R2 isn't a character without C3PO, and R2 is my favorite Star Wars character by quite a considerable margin. Also, I had a fan theory up until Force Awakens came out that R2-D2 was the main character of Star Wars. I like it. Um, Force Awakens, of course, undermines that whole idea. Right. It's very upsetting. But yeah. that was my original. That that I that was my head cannon. No, I like it. R two D two has way more. I mean, I think only Chewie. I guess at the, like Chewie and R two are basically tied for their uh, continuity in the Star Wars universe um, at this stage. Um, but R two and C three PO just have this like instant chemistry from the beginning of when they interact. The fact that that C-3PO's, like, own, like, inhuman robotic behavior becomes so much more human because of his frustration with R2 all the time actually really does a lot to drive C-3PO as a character. And the fact that I can know exactly what R2 is saying only by C-3PO's, like, uh, responses... No, it's so good. And it's not just you. We watched A New Hope for Star Wars Day this year. We always try and watch a Star Wars movie as a family during on May the 4th. Um, last year we watched... Well, last year Maxwell saw A New Hope and then watched up until the point that I let him watch of of Empire. And this year I was like, you know, let's watch A New Hope. Like, let's just do it. You can watch watch it with us. And he got all the jokes. Like, he, he understood what R2 was doing... He was asking questions, you know, but he but he got the jokes and yeah. he understood the 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 relationship there and he yeah. was laughing. So it's actually funny because R2 has is trained to do Anakin things in the same way Leia just instinctively knows how to do it of like go walk in the background and solve the problem. I have my own priorities, nothing bothers me, right? Like that's R2's MO from like the moment he starts interacting with Anakin. Um, did you, I just connect something there? No, I was reading you what you added to the show notes. Oh, sure. Um, and they're just like a wildly good time together for this. Um, I I think it's like just a like very solid. I mean, in a sense, they're the narrators of the film, not in that they're like telling what's happened, but like they're like these passive observers the whole time that are like. Is R2 passive? No, R2 is very active. Okay, no, I was going to say, C-3PO's passive. He's miserable. And oh, he's... yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, R2 is not passive in his role in the plot, but he is passive in his role as an observer, like, in sure. his, yeah. like, inability to comment, right? Like, very passive in terms of that, right? He can only comment through the lens of a passive character. Yeah, I, um, I think that they're, I think that you putting them together is great because I think their relationship was really important. Yeah, yeah, I mean... R2 is so flat in uh like the parts of the first of the sec- of the prequels that like C3PO is not around. He's cool. He does things and he can like Anakin can talk with him, but like 
he he's not at his best when he doesn't. I, I love the R, I love the Anakin R two relationship just as much it's as a good one. So I don't know maybe, maybe I'm biased. Let let's go on to let's wrap up. Uh, you know we're in the final stretch here. We got one last segment before could be betters and love it. I want to talk about favorite storylines. Yeah. Uh, yeah, my favorite storyline in the whole thing is Han and Leia. And there's, there's, uh, some personal reasons. Uh, I think that I was willing to show affection towards my wife before she was willing to show affection towards me. Uh, it's pretty common, uh, when I, uh, early in our relationship when I, it's funny too, cause like my wife said, I love you first, but after that, every time I would say I love you for like quite a while, she would say, I know. Uh, and the, the, the thing is, is that the thing I like about Han and Leia is that Leia forces Han to improve. And I think that that his improvement, I mean, you, you see it at the end, right? Like when he is, when she talks about how she loves Luke and he is just backs up, he's like, you know what? Okay. I get it. It's fine. That was not the Han you would have seen two movies it's ago. not the Han that you saw two movies ago right. making all of these, like, dumb, cheesy one-liners. I mean, Empire is really the one that's full of them, right? Like, I think that yeah. they're too busy in most scenes of A New Hope to uh, to really, like, let Han run away with his mouth. Um, but, like, man, just every time they, like, run into a corner on the Millennium Falcon, like, I can't. Like, those are some of the harder scenes for me to watch in Star Wars, but... They do get to a really good place. I, I think. I think that. I don't know. As somebody that was raised in a really, I, w- I was. I was raised to believe like that men are in charge, and that women are underneath them. Mm-hmm. And so, for me, it was. It was a. I don't know. It was. It was. It was it light- was subversive enough for you? Yeah, I, I, I think that the thing is is that I as an adult, like I love Leia too, and I I realized in relationships that you know, one of the one of the goals in any relationship, it doesn't matter who you are or what you're how you identify your gender in or what part of the relationship that you identify as is that you, the partner that you have is supposed to help you improve your, your job together is to bring out the best in each other and, and be the person the other can lean on to, to get through hard times and to, and to, to improve. And I, Han and Leia just do that for each other. Like Leia is, it's so funny to say this, but she is like, so stubborn and the fact that she gets her walls broken down by somebody like han i think is important yeah i actually um the this is interesting because the way we're talking about it now is actually changing one of my could it be betters a little bit because i'm starting to walk it back because uh the the thing like the traits that like leia is growing towards in star wars which is like actually towards tenderness towards patience towards uh um openness to letting other people be in charge um look a lot like what in any other setting any other character would be a 
um, the the flat one-dimensional like women we would expect in movies and you know star wars fails the Bechdel test test like they were really hard up and down really hard. right like but leia as the singular female character in the show of any real stature does like is not one-dimensional in any way and has an interesting point because the values to which she's growing to are the ones that we expect most women to start with yeah and the thing is is like in the, the that moment where she tells Han she loves him, right? That in a lot of ways people are like, oh, finally, like she, you know, she's 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 breaking down. I don't know how to say this, but like that's not what's happening. It's that she is coming to terms with the fact that like, okay, like she's not happy about it. But she no, she, but she she loves him, and <laughs> and I think I think that too often we expect. Like she doesn't love him because he's a sleaze bag. She loves him because he, he deep stayed. down he's like a huge softy that and she knows that. She sees it. Like the moment where he gets tortured and doesn't give up anyone. He's obviously not really a sleaze bag. He it is a facade that he puts on that she sees through and she's trying to bring out that softy, right? And the same is true of Han where he's like you're not you're not all that you are acting like, right? Like you're not all tactful. Like general yeah, you're that. well not only that, but like th- let's be real about being a princess. Like that uh, uh, whatever a princess is supposed to be according to this universe, she is not. Like no. she is she is she's a fighter, she's a winner, she's a you know, she's she's a hard ass sorry for those I, we don't usually spawn the show but like deserved i just think that they bring the better parts of each other out and it's my favorite storyline by like a lot in the, the in this so yeah what about you oh i love this arc of a journey that the millennium falcon takes everyone on right like it's the it is the singular setting of this trilogy that has any continuity, but it has a character, right? And sure, it got that character is like actually personified and given a backstory in Solo. Um, That's but so the funny. Ship, but the ship has that character off the bat, right? Like um, from the moment. I mean, I guess this isn't until uh, um, Empire Strikes Back, but like you know, C three PO is like literally go plug in with the ship computer and see what the heck is. Uh, what her problem is right like to c3po i think is a really great scene um that helps personify the ship and you know granted i think most of the like variation that the millennium falcon has and like the intrigue of that ship is in empire strikes back which is my favorite story and so that's a big part of it but i mean the millennium falcon goes from being this like uh we're flying in this bucket of bolts right like like this and then you know han is having to talk it up to like no questions, hands down. At the end of the trilogy, the Millennium Falcon is the best ship in the fleet. Yeah, and it's it's so funny too, right? Like we don't know anything about like you're you the viewer, right? You sit down, you watch a Star Wars movie. They see it, they're upset. You don't. Why are they upset? Like I don't know what a ship looks like I in mean, this universe. Obi One hasn't been on a ship since. Uh, um, hasn't been on a, like a spacecraft of any kind since there since the good old days, right? He doesn't know anything about what it's like these days, and 
like Luke's not trustworthy, right? Like he doesn't know anything about ships either. Yeah, it, but Han it, is the one that's characterized as the untrustworthy guy there, right? So like him saying, "No, the ship's great, everyone, believe me," makes sense after like only so much understanding of this that come out later. And it's so hard to like take our understanding of the series now as like the intent it was given back in the '80s, as opposed to uh, what we know of it now. But it's really interesting. Yeah, I made a joke earlier. Uh, and that I want to give some context to, uh, you know, just for your love for YT freighters. But uh, it, it's it's pretty funny, too, f- for context for those who don't know why why it's so funny that it's a, like this is just like a freighter ship. Like this is just a cargo ship that's been modded the heck out of. Yeah. And so, like this is just a, it's, it would be like seeing a semi truck on the road. Yeah, like, yeah, it's a semi-truck it, it, that's actually Optimus Prime, right? Yeah, like, exactly. is what it really is. <laughs> so it's so funny that this YT freighter is, like, you know, one of the the greatest ships in the galaxy. Yeah. Um, uh, I, actually, I don't think that the Millennium Falcon has really lived its arc until, uh, you know, in the the new trilogy when Finn says, oh, man, they hate that ship. Like, yeah, yeah. that's when it really has lived up to its full uh, its full idea. Let's go on to our could-be-betters. Uh, Wes, I'm going to let you go first. Oh, sure. Um, I think that, like, so much of what, like, I, I think could be better in this uh, series is I think we could have used a little bit less of new age sound effects and visual effects in modern editions. I think we should actually appreciate these films as how they once looked and sounded, because I think that we're not actually doing ourselves like I don't think that like the the partying at, on Naboo after the Death Star is destroyed for the second time or whatever actually enhances the film in any way. Um, and I wish we didn't give Harrison Ford the credit to say like cheesy lines that aren't as good as the rest of the dialogue, because when it comes out of Harrison Ford's li- mouth, it is considered gold. And when it comes out of Hayden Christensen's mouth, it's considered the worst thing we've ever heard. Oh, man. I love both your critters, and I want to talk about them really quick. One, if anyone criticized the original trilogy the way they criticized either the prequels or the sequels, these films would be garbage. Nobody would like them. The internet would explode. And well, that's one of the reasons. Two, I agree with you. We shouldn't be remake the original trilogy. Just straight up, just remake it, and just. I I agree. I think mixing there there's tons of enhancements that could be made. Like ooh, okay. If we're remaking the original trilogy, Spencer, who are you casting? I'm casting the person that played Han Solo and Solo as Han Solo. Okay, I'm he's good enough to stay. Same, I, I guess. Sebastian with, Stan uh, as Donald Glover as. Uh, yeah, I'm Donald. Yeah, I'm I'm doing the whole thing. I uh, I'm casting Sebastian Stan, Stan as Mark Hamill, or, or as uh, Luke Skywalker. <laughs> That's so funny. Who who's your Carrie Fisher then? Uh, that one's that one's a little bit harder for me. Um, but I would actually cast Haley Steinfeld. I like it. Um, I, I for what it's worth, um, if Haley Steinfeld is. Leia in Star Wars, does her song Most Girls just make it into the soundtrack? That would be dope. I, I, I would cast Haley Steinfeld. I, I think that she would be the person I would cast as Leia. Cool. The problem is is her age difference with Sebastian yeah. Stan. 
So like maybe you have to go a little bit younger than Sebastian to to like redo this movie. Um. Some so. Uh, that's a hard. Would question. you bet on James Earl Jones surviving long enough to finish? Yes. <laughs> I I would cast James Earl Jones as Darth you Vader's just have, voice. You just write the whole thing and have him. Uh, I would do, do it, it all today. In one like yeah 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 yeah. Like don't, Disney. Don't any time. Disney, yeah. just go do it. You should just have, like, hopefully they do. They just have a vault of James Earl Jones dialogue. I would also, for what it's worth, I would cast Hugh McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi. So, like, come on, let's go. How much older do you think they would make you? They are the same age right now for what it's worth. Right now today? Yes. Excellent. Wild. They should just do it. End of story. Uh, Anyway, I love both your could be betters. I do think that... Star Wars is given credit that Star Wars that no other movies get because it's Star Wars, like the original trilogy, and I think it's unfair. I think that I think that we can be better and do better. And well, it's not that we shouldn't be. Cri- it's not that we should be criticizing this series more, right? It's that we should be giving yeah, more I, credit to the silly space opera. Exactly. Of today, it's a popcorn flick. Come on. Um, but yeah, I, I I'll I'll go next. My could be betters are. Oh man, I I scrolled too far. Oh yeah, it's just Luke whining. Luke is there. It, it, you, it's the same one you had, right? If like people hate Hayden Christensen so much, he's he's not even he's not even one tenth, not even one one hundredth as annoying as Mark Hamill is in A New Hope. Oh, Mark Hamill is the Mark most. Mark Hamill an- sponsor our podcast. What? Mark Hamill sponsor. Our I podcast. I love Mark Hamill. He, I love him. Mark will tell you the same thing. Oh yeah, he, he does. A New Hope is almost. Never mind. I don't want to say that. A New Hope is rough sometimes, and it is entirely because of Luke Skywalker for me now. And you know what? That's fine. I think that it is odd that somehow, in retrospect, C three PO is not the whiniest character. In it's the show. so weird. The thing is, is that this is uh, that George Lucas has a problem with writing dialogue. It's just it's just how it is. Most of the great dialogue is ad libbed by Carrie Fisher and and you know Harrison yeah. Ford, and that's okay. I I forgive I forgive George Lucas for that flaw because of the greatness that he has brought and the happiness that he has brought me in my life. But dude. That could be better for me is it? I mean, it is it is rough. It is it is it is some rough dialogue. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, let's do love it really quick. I'll I'll just blast mine off. We already talked about the score. We already talked about lightsabers. We already talked about the sound effects. We didn't talk about set design. Um, other than a specific scene where the Millennium Falcon is literally looks like it's painted on or as a backdrop in Return of the Jedi, the set design in this is really 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 good for the original trilogy. Um, I already mentioned Jabba's Palace. It is just one of the coolest opening, however many minutes of any movie I've ever watched. Same with Hoth; they're they're just both great. And then Ewoks. I actually love Ewoks. I love these little teddy bears, you know, destroying these stormtroopers. Is the opening shot of Return of the Jedi, um, spaceship to planet view? I can't believe I didn't remember this when you asked the question, and for editing reasons, I'm just going to be clear that I forgot this. But it is literally the Emperor landing on the the Death Star. I I actually didn't watch the scene for what it's worth, oh, yeah. 
I didn't watch it, but once once I saw the Star Destroyer coming in, it is a Star Destroyer coming to the new Death Star and the Emperor getting off. Oh yeah, that's a wildly uh, good like way to set it. Um, the beginnings of of these films are all incredible, right? Like I would say that the slowest is is Empire Strikes Back. How did we how did we not talk about the crawl? By the way. We're going to. It's here. It's in the notes. Oh, yeah. So should we go on to your Lovitz? Oh, sure. Um, I've already talked about my love of TIE Fighters. I think they're just the the coolest spaceships in all of Star Wars. They have the best sound. Um, I love the alien costuming, like in, uh, you know, the uh, like the little elephant dude, the... Uh, um the uh Moss Eisley Cantina uh players uh there's just so many excellent like random throwaway aliens that get built off later um i really love how it feels to sit down in a star wars movie have like in the theater to have it go dark and then all of a sudden big huge score episode title and then we just get all this exposition. It's such an efficient way to set the scene, and it's iconic. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's one of Maxwell's favorite part of the movie is just, like, hearing that story before the movie. It's it's so amazing. You have to read it aloud to him. Oh, yeah. Every time. But it's so what? good. Yeah it's, yeah, it's so good. Also, it's wild that, like, it uses, like, a way of speaking that's never used once in the rest of the entire, like, movie, right? It's always this, like, like bland, oh, historic... You have to, you uh, have, no, you have to read it in, like, in in a very... Yes. I've got a voice I read it in. Yeah, I bet. Um, I love how in, like, this part of Star Wars, the Force is this, like, limited supply, like... When Yoda lifts the X-Wing out of the bog, right? It's such this, like, momentous scene, even though, like, you know, as we see later, it's chump change force tactics uh, in later bits. Or Darth Vader, like, throwing pieces of equipment at Luke as, like, a distraction, right? These are all, like, just such, like, you know, minor uses of the force as we know it today, but they're so momentous back then, or... Um, granted, all my references are going to be from uh, Empire Strikes Back because that's the one that's clearest in my mind. Sure. But like, um, right? Like in, you know, A New Hope, Luke's just at like, you know, using the Force to sense. Right. Yeah. Like, I think it's such a a cool, like, level of growth we have to still not be that much more advanced with the Force. Right. We get like the Force jump plus the grab my lightsaber is the cool opening moment of like Force stuff in. Uh, Return, um, return, and it's so fun to see that growth happen. So that's gonna do it. Those are our our Lovitz. Um, and and the thing about could be betters and Lovitz that I that I really love about that we do on this podcast for what's worth that I always mean to mention is that could be betters are not. We're not trying to nitpick. We're not trying to you know tear this thing down. It's like you know what I could have. I think this could have been better, and yeah. it's about being being better and improving and. And it, it's it's a rational criticism, and uh, you know we don't. It doesn't ruin. In, these are not things that ruin things for us because I don't think we're ever going to ruin something. We're never going to. Anything that's ruined for us, we're not reviewing, right? Yeah, exactly. 
but I want to I want to rate the films individually rapidly. So you just no no explanations allowed. Give me your your ratings for each film. Three, four point five, four point five. Okay, we're really close here because I'm going three, five, five. So, with that being said, now we can now we can get into it. Let's let's rate the entire story, and I will give Star Wars the original trilogy a four point five. Yeah, A New Hope is just the first sixty pages of any book. Like you know, kind of slow at first, hard to get up to, and once it's getting going, it's like pretty good, right? Like we had to like get on the Death Star before things really got going. Yeah, for what it's worth, there were years where I there were years I don't believe this anymore where I said A New Hope is the worst Star Wars movie. Yeah, and it's it is there are reasons for that. I think that between most of it, it has the worst acting. I think that it has some of the best pacing and some of the best score. So like it, it's gone up for me. But yeah, it can it can be it's rough around the edges and it 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 certainly takes this entire trilogy away from being a five. Yeah, it probably is the thing that snap that snatches it out from under the rug. Um, I mean, like I don't know how to like rank like talking about a whole trilogy in terms of rating is interesting because like you know so much of like rating things is your comparison points, right? Like the things I'm, I would be comparing it to are like Lord of the Rings, the other Star Wars trilogies, um. Like, I mean, I I think the I Godfather think, trilogy. Yeah, I was gonna say I would think of like you know Godfather. Uh, in all honesty, uh, the way that I view the Harry Potter films is the first three and the next four, or I guess the next five, five. because of those. But for what it's worth, this one is the shortest of any of those. Yeah, and gets way more storytelling done than I'm, some of them. I'm saying that the pacing of the original Star Wars trilogy is unreal. It's yeah. so good. Do you think that uh, if you put in Rogue One and grouped that together, that bumps it up to a five to you? Oh, it gets pretty close. Yeah, like it's still just like... And then I took a nap in the in the, in the the second quarter. <laughs> yeah, it, it gets pretty close. What if it's just like... Uh, um, like Luke isn't a character until we get to Empire Strikes Back. You know, Back. Uh, the thing is, is, uh, is, uh, I don't, I don't want to get too far into this. P- Luke is beloved by many people. I love Mark Hamill, and you know, I, I think that there's, there's the, the, the second he is on the X-wing, fighting, you know, destroying that Death Star, Luke becomes just amazing. Yeah, and I I wouldn't want to take that moment away because I think it's just one one of the greatest moments. I don't know. I think Mark Hamill should really stick to voicing cartoon villains. I think that's really a strong suit. <laughs> it that certainly is one of his strong suits. Uh, to wrap up, I just want to mention that it is Mental uh, Health Awareness Month, and I just want to dedicate this podcast to the person I mentioned earlier, Caleb Case. Uh, love you a lot, buddy. I lost Caleb to suicide uh, a few years back, and uh, you know. If there are lots of options out there, if you are struggling with your mental health right now, it's been a really, really hard year, and you know there the people care. Like the, there are people that care about you. I just wanted to say that on this week's show. Um, we, you know, Carrie Fisher was a huge advocate for for mental health, and I would not have been able to do this episode without mentioning that. And I just want to say that really quick. You can find me at Spencer H. You can find West at East underscore monotone. If you want the podcast at Neat to Nerd Pod on Twitter, you can like, subscribe, check out the Patreon. 
But the best thing you can do, if you don't want to give us that dollar we talked about earlier, is leave us a review. It is the easiest and best way to support the show. Puts us into all the right algorithms, along with those likes and subs on YouTube. But don't use our algorithm for ratings um, when you rate us, though, because like we don't give enough fives on our show. So, like, you know. <laughs> if you think we're a four, I'll take it. It's okay. Uh, but, yeah, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and may the force be with you. Do 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 do. Love it. <laughs>